before we get into the uh, message, uh, Terrell and Katrina, would y'all come? And, and uh, this is something I never like doing. I always like welcoming folks into the church. I don't like praying them out. He uh, Terrell serves in the United States Air Force, stationed here at Moody. He's being transferred to North Carolina, and today is his last Sunday. And uh, we hate that, don't we? What a blessing uh, he and his family are to Grace Point, to this church. This is a guy that exudes grace. And if you can't watch him on stage and realize he is an absolute bona fide worshiper of the Lord, loves God with all his heart. Uh, elders, would you guys, your wives, come as well? And, and we just want to, to uh, pray for this family. <laughs> I just want to say it matters where you go to church, and I am so grateful. We are so grateful of the encouragement of the grace that you give upon us. It is such a blessing. Uh, when we go to North Carolina, next church has a lot has a, some big shoes to fill. Just it's it's going to be hard, but we know the Lord is going to lead us, and we're just so grateful. We thank you so much. Let's pray. Church, would you stretch your hand this way? And let's just, we believe in, in when someone departs our local congregation, they're going to always be Grace Point members. And, uh, but we just want to lay our hands on them as elders and as they did in the scripture, and we send them. We send them forth. Uh, the power of a church is not really a seating capacity, it's sending capacity. And so, Father, we lay our hands apostolically upon this family. And we send them forth with the blessings of God that dwells within them. We pray in this new assignment, this new mission, that you would continue to use this family to show forth and shine forth the grace of God. So many people need to see it. They need to hear it. And I just thank you for that the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, for directing uh, his steps and and, Lord God, sending him to where you have already pre-appointed him to go. So we bless him in this new mission. We bless his family. And we do it in your name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Well, today, uh, hadn't the preaching been good so far? Got all these preachers in here. I tell you, I, uh, of course, we, you know, I give them during the week the, the, the title, and we're titling this The Habitation, The Habitational 
uh, culture of God's grace. And I will preach that one Sunday, but it just won't be today. I, uh, I had felt during the worship, you know, something else. I rarely do this. Uh, so if you allow me, I'm just going to go that direction. You know, and, and even as long as I've been doing this, I've been pastoring over 35 years, so uh, this ain't my first rodeo, as they say. But my heart is always to just, Lord, you know, what, I'm just here for you, you know. Sometimes I see myself, I've told somebody the other day, I see myself kind of like a, uh, you know, sometimes I pray this prayer. I, I'm a visual guy. I like the pictures and stuff. And I say, God, you know, I'm like the sailboat. I'm just going to raise the sail. That's the part, that's the part that we do. Uh, but I can't make the wind blow. You know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit's job. But I just want to be led in the direction that you have uh, for us. And uh, and so, you know, but I'm, I'm so I, I shouldn't even tell you all this. I probably not. But, but anyway, I was just sitting there, and, and uh, e- even before Crawford got up, before he got up, I was kind of wrestling um, with that. And that's why I kind of remained seated through some at the end there just to try to focus and say, Lord, you know, praying and Say, you know, I'd be glad to change over to something else if it's, a, you, know, if it's you. And uh, I just said, just have Crawford come say anything to me. I don't care what he says. Just let him slide over and say something to me. And I'll, I just kind of need that little nudge, that little sign that that's you. And so he did it. He, he come over there and nudged me and talked to me. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll go with your thing, the, uh, God, this, this thing. It's something I've talked about just a few times in my ministry. And uh, so it's, it's real personal uh, to me, but I'm okay with uh, hanging my clothes on the laundry line for you, uh, you know, if it helps you. And one thing you got to understand about our lives, and I think most of us do, is that, you know, we have a common enemy and it's not each other. Uh, it, you know, the Bible calls him, you know, our adversary, the devil. It says that he's, you know, and people, I hear people pray prayers, you know, Lord, you know, they'll be praying for somebody and said, Satan, I command you to go back to hell from whence thou came. He's never been there. Uh, 90% of the time in the Bible, this is another sermon, anytime you see the word hell, it don't mean what you think it means. Uh, it's not Satan's headquarters. Uh, nobody's shoveling coal, and, and he's not wearing spandex, a red rubber suit with a long tail and a pitchfork. Uh, none of that's true, and uh, but that's another sermon. But it, most of the time, the word translated into English "hell" is the word "grave," the grave. Uh, so when it says there's a verse like in the Old Testament it says the you know the, uh, hell hath enlarged itself to receive those that are coming there. It's it, the literal word is the grave. The grave has enlarged itself. In other words, you can't you can't bury so many people in the earth that the earth says that's enough. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But but Satan's, one of his main agendas is to hurt us, hurt you, with, with life's hurts, not from God, and to hurt you uh, as early as possible. Now, you, you and I, whether you understand this or not, according to the New Testament, we are triune beings. We are a spirit that has a soul that lives in the body. Uh, Paul's talked about those three things that we would be preserved until the coming of the Lord spirit soul and body your spirit if you are a born-again Christian your spirit is alive unto God your spirit is one spirit with the Lord Paul said that in Corinthians he said 
And actually, he was talking about sexual sins. He says, now, the, the Corinthians, even though they were the Corinthian church, they were involved in a lot of sexual immorality. And he said, don't you know that, that if a person goes to bed with a harlot, they become one with that person, for, for the two shall become one. And he says, so, you know, he, he was letting those, those Christians know that if you do this, you're actually carrying Jesus into the harlot bed. Because he said, for whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Uh, now, you are one spirit. In other words, your spirit has been joined to God. Now, this kind of goes with what I was, was going to spend a lot of time talking to you about on the habitational culture of God. But once you're connected with God, you're never disconnected, no matter what religious people tell you. You are one spirit with the Lord. Now, you may not feel close to God, but you need to wait, you stop wasting time trying to pray to get close to God. It's a foolish, benign prayer that God will never answer. How can you get closer to God than you're in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So when you got born again, God put you in Jesus. Okay? Now, if you've got the religious view that Jesus is way up yonder somewhere out in the galaxy... And you've got to pray to him and get a prayer through, and he's out there, and then that's religion's done that to you. Okay? Uh, God put Christ in you when you got born again. The Bible says in Colossians, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Now, where is Christ at? So don't try to see him like way out yonder trying to pray to him. If Christ is in you, where is he at? This is not a hard question, y'all. I wish you would participate. Where is Jesus Christ if you're born again? So the only prayer, you know, so there's no such thing, i got to get a prayer through. Or go get sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. They can get a prayer. Prayer through what? Your, your chest? You, you got nothing, you got eight inches to go through. He's in your heart, so to speak, in your spirit. Okay? So that's the reality. Now, if you don't believe that, you'll, you'll pretend that he's a million miles away and you got to fight through the heavens and the warfare. All that's just bull. Religious bull. There's no truth in any of that. What about Daniel in the Old Testament and the warfare? Yeah, that's Old Testament, man. Stop acting like Jesus' arrival, death, burial, and resurrection accomplished nothing. It changed everything. Okay? Satan's agenda has always been to hurt us as quickly as possible. God is not the author of your pain. He's the author of your faith. God didn't cause your pain. Where was God? God's always where he's always been. And, but, but there is a devil loose on this planet who's seeking, he walketh to and fro, the Bible says in the New Testament, seeking whom he may devour. Well, you know, he's not a lion. He's never been a lion. But why was the Bible use that description of him? He said he as a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. Right, the, the real lion is Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Is that right? Isn't it interesting that Satan would portray himself as a lion? In other words, there's a lot of times that you're hearing something, and you, you, if you don't understand, the, if you don't know the Word of God, you're, that you think that's Jesus talking. You think that's God talking to you because he comes as a lion. But he's a lying lion. That's not, that's not God. God will never speak down to you. God's not going to bring up your sin because he promised you in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, he would, he would remember your sins no more. The Holy Spirit's not convicting you of your sin. He's not browbeating you, beating you, punishing you. He doesn't do that anymore. Now, there's consequences for bad decisions, and you'll suffer those, but that's not God doing it, so don't mistake that. 
You screw up. You make a bad decision. There's pain involved in sin. But God didn't do it. God's not causing that. So God's not trying to teach you a lesson. He's not going to break your legs, put you in the hospital so you can read the Gideon Bible that's in the drawer by you. He is God the Father. He is not the Godfather. He doesn't send storms, hurricanes, tornadoes. He doesn't kill people, drown people. He doesn't do that. Jesus rebukes storms. God's not the author of even natural storms. Well, I thought, well, you thought wrong. That's why Jesus rebuked storms that was coming against him because his papa wasn't behind that storm. Satan was the, the god of the prince and the power of the air. So when I see a tornado tracking to my house, I stand in my yard and I say, I rebuke this storm from damaging my property or my, my family. I do it in Jesus' name. Well, what would you do if it tore up your house? I'd still pray it next time, maybe five minutes longer. It's not going to change anything. But, but you've got to understand that your spirit, if you're not a Christian, you're not born again, your spirit is dead. So the Bible says you're dead in trespasses and sin. What part of you is dead? Your, your spirit's dead. You're spiritually dead to God. You're dead to the things of God. You were born that way. But when you get born again, your spirit has been quickened, made alive, joined to God, and it will never be unjoined. You're one with the Lord. Knock it off. You're one with God. No matter how you feel, you're one with God. Stop trying to get close to God. And I talk about that. I mentioned that just a couple of Sundays ago. Don't, it'd be like so, so stupid you come up to me today and say, I, Pastor Dale, would you pray for me that I will feel that I will be close to this building? You're in the building, dude. You're in it. Enjoy it. You're in the, I don't feel like I'm, I don't care what you feel like you're in or not. You're in here. You're smack dab in the middle of the sanctuary at Grace Point Church, Valdez, Georgia. You are in here. Stop praying and wasting prayer trying to get close to the sanctuary. You're in it. You live in it. Breathe in it. John said in Revelation, I see a door standing open in heaven. That door has got a name and his name is Jesus. And heaven is accessible to you at any point and any time. There is no blockage of heaven. The enemy wants to hurt us. And in Revelation, you see a, there's, a, there's this picture of the, the Satan like a dragon. And, and he's waiting for this woman to give birth to this man child. And we know in typology that's Jesus. And, of course, when Jesus was first born, how many knows that Satan inspired Herod to try to murder him? And he killed all them babies that were two years old and younger. And that's the real spirit. Uh, you know, God's grace is sufficient. God forgives. But that's the real root spirit behind abortion is to destroy those little ones and to stop them from the potential that would be in their life to, to walk in their destiny and purpose with God. And, and, and so, and then if you look back on your life and my life, most of our hurts really happened when we were young. And, it's, and it depends on what, what you define as young. But it, as soon as possible, there's an agenda of the enemy to hurt you. Now, that hurt resides not in your spirit, because if you didn't know God, you're spiritually dead, but in your soul. Now, your soul, according to the Bible, is your mind, your will, and your emotional part of you. Your mind, your will. And so when you got born again, your soul didn't get born again. Now, when, you're, when you got born again, your spirit was made exactly like God's. You are pound for pound, molecule for molecule, in your spirit just like God. You are perfect in every way. Because God would not take an imperfect person, imperfect spirit, and join it with his perfect son. 
God's not going to move trash in to live in the palace. You, you have a zero sin account. You're one with God. And in your spirit, you are as ready for heaven as you'll ever be. You're not going to be more ready when you get there. And in fact, you're not going to get there. You're already there because you're seated with Christ in heavenly places according to Ephesians. And everything changes. Everything. But what don't change instantly is this, our mind. And every battle we have is in our mind. And, and if we don't win the battle here, we're going to lose the battle. Now, Romans 12 and 1, I don't have time to go all this places. Romans 12 and 1 starts off and says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. You've got to do something with your body. That you present your body as a living sacrifice. Your body is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual act of worship. You don't, you don't achieve holiness, you receive it. You don't achieve righteousness. You don't live righteous enough to get called righteous. Your righteousness was bestowed upon you as a gift when you were born again. Paul says that clearly in, in, in the book of Romans. It is the gift of righteousness. You are now, when you're born again, the righteousness of God. You're just as righteous as God but because you're in Christ Jesus. How could you not be? You don't always do righteous, you don't always think righteous, you don't always behave righteous, but your righteousness was not, not something you achieved or something you won. Your, your, your righteousness was given to you and put upon you. So stop being a hypocrite and start living righteous because that's really what you are if you're born again. And live out of that revelation and out of your spirit. That's why as many as are led by the spirit, that's the sons of God. But if you walk in the flesh, you're going to reap the whirlwind. You're going you're, you're to have problems. But the enemy tries to hurt us. And there's all kinds of ways that he does that. Uh, and, and one of the biggest ways he does it is through uh, sexual sins. It's just one of his go-to. Because that involves the whole person of you. And so there's so much hurt that's bestowed upon people in, the, in that uh, area. Um, a lot of times people are sitting in my office, they may be 50, 60, 70 years old, and, but what, and, and they're sitting in there and they're trying to, to, to deal with, with all this stuff, but a lot of it happened to them when they were 10 or 8 or 12 or 4, whatever, whatever the age was. I've had grown people for 35 years with tears running down their face tell me what happened when they were 6 years old. And they're still dealing with, and where's that hurt at? And I'm not saying they're not saved. Yeah, they're born again. But that hurt is in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotion. Now, your mind has to be renewed. Again, Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, you, your mind has to be renewed. How is your mind renewed? You, you have to change the way, you, you have to put better input into the computer hard disk. Garbage in, garbage out. God in, God out. So it takes time. That's why we come to church. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. Because our mind, well, this world has trained us to think one way, but Jesus said the word repent. Repent means think differently. you got to think differently because I, I, I'm not going to behave like the world, and you can't think like the world. Don't be conned by the form of the world. Don't be conformed by this world, but be ye transform, metamorphosis, change yourself. You're not a worm, you're a, you're a butterfly. Get off the ground. Stop crawling through crap, man, and get up in the air and get up and see things from God's perspective and, and, and stop living like a worm. 
Did he actually say Trump? I think he did. I thought he said that. can't believe he said that. Well, you need to wake up. If you're a worm, you got to deal with whatever's down there. If there's feces down there, you got to crawl right through it to get to your next destination. Stop living like that. And the only way you're going to stop living like that, you got to think different. Because, see, your emotions are tied to your thinking. Now, you can be the most depressed person in the world. Oh, just depression. Had, you just, I, hey, listen, I know the depression ride. I, I rode that one personally more times than I won't tell you. And it's a real deal. And it can be fatal. You hear me? But it's got to do with your thinking. Now, the more I've learned about God's grace, the less battles I've had with, with depression. Because my thinking is the key to that. But what I'm saying is this is a fact, and you know it true whether you, whether you say amen to it or not. You could be the big-time depressed person, but you even forgot that one day you filled out one of those publisher clearinghouse cards and sent it in the mail. And all of a sudden your doorbell rings, and there stands a person with a camera and, uh, you know, uh, a dozen or so of red roses with a big, you know, and they got that big giant check with a million dollars with your name on it. Your depression just left. You are no longer depressed. And you didn't take a pill. Nobody went shunned die and laid hands on you. You didn't go through 14 weeks of counseling. In one moment, you changed the way you thought about your future. And immediately, your depression vacated the premises. So that's proof that your depression is tied to what you think. So this whole battle thing has got to be won in your mind. Your mind, your will, your, your will, you will do what you think. You will eventually do what you think. You keep thinking wrong, you will do wrong. You cannot think wrong and live right. And you cannot think right and live wrong. You got to get rid of stinking thinking. Right? So you get hurt now, and it changes and it rewires us. Where, where the Bible uses the word there in Romans 12 and 2, uh, it says, be not conformed. The word conformed there is a Greek word that literally means schematics. It literally means schematics. Now, some of you know what the schematics are of something. That's how it's wired. That's how it's put together. Okay? So your thinking is the schematics of how you... And so hurts come along, and hurts take a wire that's supposed to be here, and it unplugs it, and it plugs it in over here. And now your thinking is messed up. And you don't think like, like you ought to think. You start thinking differently. Now, here's where I get a little bit personal, but I'll do it because I love you. When I was 14 years old, I got born again when I was 12. I really did get born again. Now, in my denomination, you could get saved 14 times. You get saved, you're lost, now you got to come get saved again. You know, the Baptists do it, they just call it rededication. It's the same thing. There's no rededication in the Bible. Nobody comes up and rededicates their life to the Lord. None of that. There's no spring revival, fall revival, none of that. When you're born again, you're born again. That's why you cry. That's why you know you should be in church. That's why when I was a teenager living like a, a hellion, I would ride by the church that I got born again in, and, and I'd start crying. I'd be coming back from the disco. That's how old I was. And I'd be coming back from a disco in Val Austin and drive by the church, and they had a cross lit up on it, and I'd see that, be by myself in my car 2 a.m. in the morning, and I'd start weeping. What makes a guy do that? Because he's born again and he's away from Papa's 
how is he just away from that? And, and I didn't know, I didn't have enough sense. Nobody ever taught me God still loved me. I thought if I died that night, I'd go straight to hell, didn't pass go, I'm not going to collect 200, I'm straight in hell. But it was a lie. Just a lie. I still belong to God. I'm still his kid. I'm a prodigal. I'm sleeping with hogs. I smell like a pig. You can't look at my life and tell I belong at that big fancy house with that good daddy. You can't tell it. But I was a son when I was at the house. I was a son when I was on the road in the rebellion. And I was a son when I was in the hog pen. Well, what happened if he died? He'd have died in the hog pen and went straight to Papa's house. That's what would have happened to him. Because a son is a son. You a son if you're living in the house, and you a son if you're on the way to the hog pen, but you're still a son. And that includes the daughters. I was 14. I met this little girl. Thought she was everything. I know puppy love. I know all that. Hurts or hurts though. Satan tries to hurt you early. Mess with your wiring. I, no, 15. I was uh, 14, 15. Real short version of a real long story. But that was my introduction into sexual intimacy with that little gal. Okay? Now, in my little 15-year-old mind, I'm thinking, now, any girl that will give herself to me like this, what more can she give? She loves me. And I remember saying, I'm going to marry her. That's going to be my wife right there. We're going to live, we're going to live together. And then I'm 15. I'm 15. See, when I was 15, it ain't like 15 now, or it ain't even like 15 when my kids turned 15 because I had better sense than turn them loose. But at 15, I had a car. At 15, I drove. At 15, I got tickets. I pulled through a state patrol standing in the road when I was 15 doing a license check. I'm like, oh, man, I'm toast here, but I'm just going to try to maybe act like that he don't know what he's doing. And I handed him out learners and just sat there. Do you know he read that thing? He said, you're not supposed to be driving out somebody in the car. Would you pull that thing over to the side? And he made me stand there and sat there on the car. You know, while he checked everybody's license for like an hour because he was the only trooper out there. And then, you know, and then he accused me of drinking, which I wasn't. I, I worked at a gas station. I pumped gas, and all them gas fumes had your eyes look like you'd been, you know, hitting the old doobies all day. And, and so he, he, he wasn't, you know, he was, and it ain't like I could leave. He said, you're going to have to stay here till somebody come. I'm like, well, how's somebody going to come? And, and one of my buddies was coming. Now, he did have a license. He also had an eight-pack of Pony Millers in the floorboard of the passenger seat. But he come through going the other way, and, and I said, well, I know him. Can he carry me to my house to get my uh, parents to come get in my car? And he, and he said, yeah. I got in there, and he said, he's got an eight-pack of Pony Millers in there. He didn't say boo to him. I drove to my house, and my daddy was wearing out some, some beer. Our house wasn't a born-again house. We was majoring on heathenism. And so it was Saturday, and I was headed to Nashville to pick up a girl on a date. And so he drove me to my house, put me out. And I told my dad how that trooper had talked to him and done me. Well, he done had a few beers. 
And so he didn't appreciate that, and he told my mama, drive me out there. He had better sense to drive yourself. But he drove out there and walked up to that trooper and told him what for. And said, you, and, and just wore, wore him out. Just wore him out while he's standing there checking people out. He just told him what he thought about him. And then he said, get in the car, son. You're going to drive. And then my daddy got in the passenger side. And that trooper said, let me see your license. And my daddy said, if you want them, come get them. You know, he come got them license and got the, brought the cuffs with him. And the next thing I knew, my daddy's in the back of the state patrol car and me and mama's following him to the courthouse. <laughs> Sin's a bad world. It makes you do stupid stuff. But I could see my daddy in the back of that car. His head was just telling him hey, all the way to the courthouse. We had to go get my daddy out the courthouse. That was my life. You know that girl I was supposed to pick up, she got mad with me, and it was about a couple hours later before I ever made it to Nashville. She was already with another boy when I got there. That was rude, wasn't it? You didn't give brother a chance. But when I got intimate with that young girl, shouldn't have done it, sin, don't do it. You, you're just not wired for that at 15. You're just not. You're not you just ain't, you ain't ready. Get in covenant. There'll be plenty of time. I thought she's, a, she's everything. Next thing I knew, one of my buddies said, she's, she's seeing somebody else. And I'm like, ain't no way. Well, it was a way. She, it was true. And when I found out that she, she was seeing someone else, it just crushed my world. I mean, I, I, th I thought that was going to be my wife. I, it, I can't even describe the pain that I felt. The betrayal, the rejection spirit, the wound, it gutted me. And it rewired my schematics. And I, from that day forward, never saw girls and later women the same, ever. From that day forward, because of that hurt, and I didn't realize this until I was way older and started pastoring. But I realized, hey, I ain't the only dude that got hurt and it changed the way we thought about stuff. And it just changed me. And I didn't know it changed me. But from that day forward, I didn't ever trust another girl further than I could throw them. I don't care what they said. And I, I'm not bragging on none of this, okay? I'm just telling my story. But it, it, it messed up my life, and it messed up a lot of relationships, and it messed up a lot of other, you know, people. Because girls would come along, and it didn't matter if I was, you know, like they say, I don't know what they call it nowadays. They call it talking to them. I don't know what they call it. But we called it going with one another. And, um, and, and, and so I just, I cheated on every one of them. There was something in me that said, I'm going to do it to you before you do it to me because you're going to eventually do it to me anyway. And I just went after it, man. And I ain't proud of none of it. Ain't no bragging here. It just hurt. And it just changed the way I viewed everything. It just rewired me. Now, yours don't have to be that. It, there's other things that can hurt you, but it changes the way you see things. And if you don't get this thing corrected, it, it, can, it can haunt you to you 80. And it can mess up a lot of stuff for you and mess up a lot of relationships and marriages and all kind of stuff. And because I was a broken dude, man. Now, I didn't really get my relationship back on track with God until I was 19. And so between that 15 and 19, boy, I, I, there's a, I look like the bombing the, you know, the highway behind me because I left a lot of stuff broken. 
tore up. And I'm talking about people's hearts and stuff. And, and uh, so it didn't matter if I was going with them or not. I, I would always just cheat. I, I, would, I was, a, you know, whatever, you know, whatever's there, what, you know, circumstance present itself, you know, whatever. And so uh, I, I just did that. I mean, when I graduated high school, uh, my girlfriend had my class ring on her finger. And she was a couple years younger than me. You know, she dangled that ring like that because I was going to Daytona on my, my graduation celebration deal. You know, she dangled that ring. She said, well, don't forget this. I, I, this I'm, listen, I ain't proud of this. I'm, not, I'm just trying to get you to see how that kind of stuff will change you. But when she did that and she dangled that, my ring at me and said, don't forget this right here. I said, that ain't no good once I hit the Florida state line. That's what I told her. Can you believe a guy would, and, 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 you know, can you believe her put up with that? I said, I ain't no good. When I, once I hit the Florida line, that's null and void. <laughs> that's what I told her. And I wasn't faithful to her in Florida. And I'm not proud of that. And the girl that I got with was from, you know, from home, from Adel. And knew I was had a steady. So I'm just saying that she looked like she, she, she just worked on my neck. Y'all know what I'm saying? She just worked on my neck and left some marks. And she acquired a nickname called Hoover from then on. She was known in our local area as Hoover. But she wanted to mark up my neck so my girlfriend could see that this, he ain't being faithful to you. Of course, when I got back and she saw my neck, then she broke up with me. Surprise, surprise. I just moved on. And then one day, after I'm out of high school, I meet this little young lady on the front row here, just now my wife. And man, when I met her, <laughs> all that stuff that they talk about, that happened. And she, anyway, and I, I just fell in love with her. Just, man, I love her with all my heart. This is, this is the real, this is off the chart of anything I've ever been. This is off the chart here. Trying to shorten up a long story. We, we, we are engaged to be married. She has a ring, engagement ring, on her finger. Uh, I have already purchased, because my credit was so excellent at 18, 19 years old. No cosign had ever been done with me. And I'm not, I'm just saying, Daddy, that one thing my dad did do is he said, you're going to start establishing your credit. And he started me establishing my credit at the bank when I was 13 years old. So I come down here to Valdosta awesome when I was 18 years old and bought a brand new uh, uh, trailer and put it on some property. That's where we're going to live. That's where we're going to get married. We, we, I, would even, I would even go to church with her a little bit. And we, we, even one Sunday night, we had the preacher out to the house for sandwiches after Sunday night church. And I'm still a broken heathen. I'm, I'm not healed yet. She leaves, goes to Texas for two weeks with her family, vacation. I go to town. I go where I shouldn't go. I get with girls. Because I'm broken and I'm messed up. My wiring is flawed. She's got an engagement ring. She gets back in town, goes back to her job. The girl that I got with went to her job and told her everything. When I was with him, what he was wearing, blah, blah, blah. How many knows that ended the engagement? I talked to her. 
I recall that engagement ring come flying into air at me and hit me right up inside the head. And she told me what I, how sorry I was, and I was every bit of that, and then some. Because my wiring was messed up. And so you would think that a guy that knew Jesus when that happened would turn around and just, you know, I just said, you know, I just said, you know, H-E double toothpicks to all y'all. And I went out and I said, I'll show you. And I went out and bought me a brand new 1979 Camaro Z28 with T-tops. Google it. You can check it out at the church. But it was a bad ride. And I, I bought that car. I waved at the world with one finger. I went straight to the beer store, and I am just lived like a hellion, sure enough. Hit with all y'all. All you church people, all y'all. Never made another payment on the trailer, guess what? They come to get it. Shock. Because you, when you're stupid, you don't care about your credit, you don't care about your health, you don't care about nothing. And you live like an idiot. Because sin, that's why the prodigal son, it says when he came to himself. Because there, there's an insanity with just living like that. And so I, I just went to the bottom, went to the bottom of the pile. Fast track. And I remember, but God never will leave you alone and he never left me alone. As far as I was concerned, it was over me and her. She wouldn't ever spit on me. She wouldn't ever, I mean, I was, it was done. It was that, you know, that ship had sailed. I done blowed that. That's over with. That's it. All because it started back. It's, it's my belief system that all this hurt started when I was 15 years old. And I was one messed up guy. And see, what I realized is that an engagement ring didn't change me. Neither would a wedding ring had changed me if God hadn't changed me. Wouldn't change me. And so that was the end of that. I, I won't go into all the details of my life for the next nine months to a year, but it got down to the bottom. I remember I was in a discotheque called Pepper's Disco in Tifton, Georgia, with my buddy. Now, me and him, we rotated weekends, and he had, we'd crash at his place, we'd crash at mine. My parents were all living like hellions, really, back in those days. They wasn't, nobody, nobody going to church in my house, okay? And so we'd just go out and party, do what all we want to do, okay? And so you got to understand, the only reason I'm telling you that, because I'm trying to get you to understand the power of God. Now, this guy's staying with me. He's staying at my house, okay? We're going to get up on Sunday morning about lunch and go do it all again. Sunday didn't mean nothing to us. Just another day. But when I was in that disco, the Lord encountered me. See, he come where Christians would not. He comes right on into the disco with you. And I, this is not going to make sense. I'm not trying to, to hype it up, but God just, God said, I mean, I'll, it's, it's, it's a spiritual experience that's hard to explain. But I'm telling you, God encountered me in that disco, and God says, this is what you want, son. And when he said that, I heard him. It was almost like I turned to look, and he says, is this what you want? Listen, I hadn't been in church in almost a year. I ain't even thought about God or the Bible, and I, other than when I used his name in vain. That's the only time I called on him. He says, is this what you want, son? I missed that he called me son. And when he said that, my eyes were opened, and I believe to the spirit world, and I saw everybody like they really was. And that was one of the most horrible things I ever saw. 
And I told God, I said, God, if you, cause I, and I felt an impending doom. It wasn't God doing it to me, but just the, just God drawing near. It's just hard to explain. But I told God, standing at disco by myself, nobody knew it. I said, God, if you let me live. See, I didn't know this God. I didn't know how loving he was. I didn't know him. I didn't really know him. I said, if you let me live in the morning, I'll be in church. Just please let me live till in the morning. So in the morning, I was true to my word. I woke up, and that buddy, my buddy's right over there. Uh, you know, I left him right in the bed. My parents, I don't even know, you know what, what time they come on. I mean, I got up. I got up. I, I, I went to church by myself. I went to the Adel Church of God. I sat on the pew by myself. I couldn't wait for the preacher to get through preaching. And as soon as he got through preaching, he gave an altar call. I shot down that altar, and I fell on that altar. And, and, I, and what I called, I, get, I got saved again. I was 19. I didn't get saved again. I just come back home. I just come back home. I didn't understand all that. I didn't know the theology of none of it. And, and, and so my parents, you know, they all wake up around lunchtime, you know, you're going to eat some lunch or something. And, and he asked my buddy, he said, where's Dale at, man? Where's, where's Dale? And he said, I promised Mr. Young, I, he, was, he came home with me last night. That's all I know. I promised. I don't know where he's at. And they all look, you know, his car's gone. He's gone. You sure he came home with you? He said, I promised Mr. Young, he came home. So about... 1 12, 30, 1 o'clock, I come home, and they was all eating. They, were, they wasn't too worried about me. <laughs> they was eating. And I remember I walked into the little kitchen there where they was all eating. My buddy sitting there eating too. And my daddy's like, where the H you been, boy? I said, I've been to church. Everybody stopped their fork. <laughs> See, I didn't expect that to come out of my mouth. I said, I've been to church. I said, I got saved this morning. I didn't know I wasn't getting saved again. I thought I got saved again. It felt like I got saved again. I said, I got saved this morning. Anybody say nothing? No, nobody say congratulations, glad for you, happy for you. My buddy got through eating his food. He rolled out, and I have never seen him again but one time since then. And I'm 61 years old. I don't guess he was really my buddy. He's more like my partner in crime. And all of a sudden, I found myself all alone with nobody, no friends. Even at the house, didn't feel like a house no more because they all raised hell and partying, and, and it just, I just ain't got nothing going. So the only thing I had was that car, and it was like my mobile prayer unit, and I'd ride around and pray and talk to God. And for the next nine months, I hung out with God just in that car because at least in the car, I could go, and I could pull up in the soybean field and, and park and have some peace and talk to God without all the music going at the house, whatever. And I remember it got down where I told God one day, I said, God, if I don't ever get married, if I don't ever have a wife, don't ever have no kids, none of that, I want you to know I want you to know I'm not leaving you no more. I'm, I'm staying with you. Thank you for taking me back. I'm staying with you. Ain't going nowhere. I didn't know that he really liked that because I had started going back to church. And guess where I went to church? I went to church that was my church that I introduced her to, and she was still going to church with her family. Now, I, they didn't hug me when I came back to church. And I sat on the back, and I could look halfway up to the front, and I saw that blonde hair. And I loved her, but I knew she would never have nothing to do with me and wouldn't ever fool with me no more. And the parents didn't speak to me. But I, that's the only church I knew, so I had to go back there. I didn't know nothing else. 
to where I found God. So I went back there. And I went by myself because I didn't have nobody to go with. But when I made that confession to God that night, or whatever it was, I told God, I said, I'm with you, Papa. I'm not going over there. I'm not going to leave you no more. I'm sorry for leaving you. I'm not leaving you no more. The very next Sunday, she spoke to me. She said to me, I'll never forget, she came up to me and she said, she said, you didn't speak to me this morning. We, had, we ain't never spoke. Yeah, I said, well, hey. She said, well, you speak to me now. I said, okay. Man, I went home like, God Almighty. She talked to me. And then after that, she would speak. Fast track, we would stand in church, talk. Stand at the back of the church. We'd stand in the hallway. I remember standing by her car talking. I remember the first time went on Sunday night, she let me take her to the Dairy Queen. And then after that, it's just a blur. We got married July 12, 1980. Been married ever since. I'm trying to tell you that because I don't care what it looks like. And I don't care if you've messed it up so bad that you, I, I mean, in my mind, I thought even God can't fix this, but God fixed it. And I'll, I'll tell you what he did. You know why he fixed it? Because he loved her so much. He, he, she really is his favorite. She gets what she asks for all the time. I don't understand it. God refused to let her go into covenant with a man with his wire and tore all up. Loved her too much. And God rewired me. And she still didn't get a perfect dude as far as everything. But I want to tell you, she got one better than that one that she had got first engaged with. I promise you that. She got one better than that guy. And I remember we got, we got married. I remember they sung, surely the presence of the Lord's in this place at our wedding. And I could feel God. I could feel God while I was getting married. I was nervous now, but I could feel the Lord. I knew we was entering into something here. And that God had healed that area in my heart. And he'd put the wiring back like it's supposed to be. And, and I remember when I got back and I was a paramedic and I got back to my job. And I had been a hound dog before, you know, and, and everybody knew it. And I had chased girls that didn't let me catch them. You know what I mean? And I remember I was out there washing the animals. Now, I'm a married guy. I got a wedding ring on now, and I'm out here washing amos. We were stationed at the courthouse, and on the second floor, a girl that I tried to date leaned out the window, and she said, uh, but at the time I was trying to chase her, she had somebody, so, you know, she didn't let me catch her. And it had been months, and, you know, she, and, and so I'm out here washing. She said, she said, hey, she said, you know, you've been, you, that date you was wanting, she said, I'm ready. And I said, I'm married, girl. She said, that don't bother me if it don't bother you. I just went right on washing that truck. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to tell you that because I think I'm anything. I'm just trying. And then it wasn't some, you know, six months later or something. I remember I come in after off for a run, and one of our uh, other paramedic units had been out, and they carried somebody straight to ICU, and we were down, all down in the emergency room filling out our trip tickets and stuff. And one of the guys, you know, come down and said, man, you got you a fan up in ICU. And I said, what do you mean I got a fan? He said, there's a nurse up there, you know, told me to tell you that she hated to hear that you got married. And she also told me to tell you that if you was ever unhappily married, she knows how to make you happy. 
Now, these women now, brothers, you got what? You got, that's, that's, that's some bold stuff there, ain't it? Now, let me tell you what the old me would have done. I said, what she look like? She blonde, brunette, red hair, what she look like? She got a good body? What about, tell me about it. Don't hurt the look. Let me just ease up to the unit and just peek at her. See what she looked like. See, all that there gets you killed. You understand I me? Mean, you kill you, man. You understand? All that there. And, but when he said that to me, you got a fan up there. I didn't say nothing. I just kept doing my chicken. And it was kind of bothering me that these little tests was coming. But at least it showed me, and I'm the one that needed to know that, I'm not that guy no more. My wiring has been put back right by God. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Now, I don't know what the enemy has used in your life. And I've been real intimate, transparent with you in mine. And I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to give you hope today that it doesn't matter how, what, it, it matters because it matters to you, but it, it, what I'm saying is God's power to, to make it right is, is here. God loves you far beyond my ability to describe to you his love. And if you can even get a little bit of faith and a little bit of hope out of, out of my testimony. And, and you know, and I, and I made some bad decisions like not dealing with that trailer and, and we eventually... My, my dad's help, I end up, you know, getting it sold to a guy. But there was a lot of problems. And, and I remember me and my wife, we'd been married for several years and doing great. Then God bought us a home going on. But here comes that, here comes that, the creditors, because that guy I sold it to, all of a sudden, you know, several years later, after we'd been married a couple of years, he quits paying for it. Guess who they come after? Me. Because they didn't care about what I did at a lawyer's office, this and that. They, they, they just knew I was the first guy to buy it, and my name's still on the, on the paperwork. And so what I'm saying is my sin choices caused me problems that, that worked on me later on even in my marriage. Because stuff you do just don't fly away and go away. There's consequences. And it doesn't mean God doesn't love. And, 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 and of course, I prayed, and, and we, we dealt with some things, and, and God helped me through that. And God's always there for you. And, and, and he'll win with any hand he's dealt. And if you'll just give him the keys. God's not your co-pilot. God's the pilot. You, you understand what? I mean, let God lead you to where to go. And, and all I'm saying is the enemy, he, he wants to hurt us. And he tries to hurt you when you're young. And even though you're born again, you're still dealing with that soul pain. The emotion, the hurt. That's, it, it's not in your spirit, it resides in your soul. But your soul is being transformed. And you just got to give yourself some time. And, 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 and all I'm saying is God just rewired me. He put the wires back like they were supposed to be. And I, and, and I realized I could trust. And, and, I, and I could have a, a proper relationship. And I don't know if this is helping anybody. But I, I just, I mean, sitting on that road, that's what I felt to tell you today. It, it, the enemy may not hit you that way, but he's hit you some way. And I promise you your stories because I've been talking to people like you long enough. He tried to do it when you were young. Some of it may have came when you were really young. Some of it may have came like me when I was a teenager. And that wasn't the only way, but that's one of the major ways that he does it. And you don't realize sometimes that those hurts 
You know, sometimes people out here this statement a lot. A lot of times it's from men in my office. They say, well, I did this, this, and this, you know, and, and, but all I know is something was missing. Well, I said something can't be missing, brother, in your spirit because you're born again. God didn't give you a flawed spirit. God didn't give you 80% of him. God didn't give you 50% of him. You got 100% of him. You got the fullness of God bodily in the spirit. But what, what you, that you're describing to me is in your soul. That's where the enemy wounded you. That's where he's tried to transform your thinking to be conformed to this world, to think like the world, to behave like the world. And he's tried to use those hurts because a hurt can fast track you to change the way you think about stuff. And you don't trust people no more. You don't believe in this. and You don't believe in that. I don't know what I believe anymore. And you go all that down that road. And, and, and that's what the enemy desires to do to you. Now, I want you to stand to your feet. I'm just a couple minutes over. But we all right. We Okay. Um, it's not late. I usually get you out of here at 12 at least, but it's 12, 12. Hallelujah. You'll survive. Could I just pray with you before we go? I, I want my elders to come and stand up here. Hey, if nobody comes, we'll just go eat chicken quicker, okay? We're, we're cool with that. We're not, we're not running for nothing. We're not trying nothing. Um, but we do love you, and, and these elders love you. We, we care about you. And uh, I want my, why Jill, you come up here too. Did I say anything was true today, or? And I hate that I tell all that, because some of it don't make her feel great, because it reminds of things. But she loved me. I could never believe I got her back. I didn't even try to get her back. I gave up. And you know what? The more I'd go to that church and I'd look and I'd see that blonde hair from the back, I said, man, boy, I screwed that up. And it's like every time I saw her, my heart would, you know, I'd be like the Grinch. My heart would grow two sizes more. You know what I mean? I would just love her so much. But I knew it was done. And, and, and so my prayers like this, this is honest God truth, my prayers I would pray almost every day. I said, Father, I don't understand it. This is hurting so bad. Now, I've, I've turned my life back to God. I'm living for God. I'm loving God. But, she, you know, it's done with her. And, and, I, and I said, God, I'm fine with that. But just please make it quit hurting. If she's not supposed to be in my life, just, I don't understand. Why don't, just take the hurt that, that, I, that I feel in my heart out. Just take it out. And let me go on. I remember that. I really didn't date no more. I, I was actually scared to date because I knew what a what a hound dog I had been. Not proud. I, I remember a girl called, and, and girls didn't do that back in 1979. They, they didn't call and ask boys out, you know. Uh, but I, had, I remember a girl called and asked me out and uh, wanted to go to movies. I brought her down here to Valdosta. The college owns it now. It used to be a movie theater. And I brought her to see the Muppets. This is going to sound so stupid on my part. But I brought her to see the Muppets, and Jason McCraney, some of y'all in here know him. He was my youth pastor. He, he, they've, they've moved back recently, back in Adel. If he's watching, love you, Jason. But his wife is my first cousin, Andrea. And she was about probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old. I took her with us. <laughs> And I remember I got in the mood because I just, I wanted a buffer, man. And that girl looked at me like, what you, I decided she wants to see the movie. 
And it's just because I didn't want to be alone with that girl by myself. I just didn't feel like I was ready for that. And I dated one more girl, brought her to church. And, it, and I'd go on one date with these girls. I, I've dated two. Went on one date with her, and she, this just ain't it. And I, I, I stopped that dating stuff because I said, if I could go on one date and that's not going to be my wife, I'm not going to waste no time with this. I'm just not going to waste no time with it. And then I moved to the, and had another girl, and I went on a date with her and brought her to church. And, and I knew this, this woman's not going to be my wife, and I'm done with this. And, I didn't, I, and then I just didn't date. And I, and, and I want to be honest, I was lonely, and sometimes I felt sorry for myself, and I had no friends. Because all the friends I did were still doing what I used to do. So I didn't have no friends. And we didn't have a lot of teenagers at our church. We just didn't. But God put it back together. And he put it back together. And he, whatever that you need to put back together, God's capable. I think we sung something about God's able. And I want to tell you and assure you, he's able. He can put stuff back together. He can put relationships. He can fix things. God can do it. Has this encouraged anybody? Now listen to me. If what I say, and you don't have to make yourself, and sometimes you know it's that thing like, well, I don't want to come forward because people, listen, I just hung my clothes on the line for you. Drawers and all, okay? Just because I love you that much. I just want to be a real dude, man. I just want to be a real guy and talk about real life. And I want you to know with God you can make it. But if what I said really just touched you today, we would love the opportunity to just pray over you. We're not going to make a spectacle of you, but would you just come and stand in this altar? Let me just finish out with a prayer over all of you. Just come and stand here. And you say, Let me, I've been hurt. I just want to, I want, I want God to put all the wires back where they're supposed to go. Just come and stand. God bless you. God bless you. I feel so sorry for so many women because you've been lied to so many times by so many men. And as a man looking at you, I want to say to you on behalf of all the men that's ever lied to you, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. There's a lot of things that go on that just ain't right. And even when that was happening, God's always there for us. He loves you. Father, I, and, and I know there's more. And maybe you didn't want to come. Hey, God will touch you right where you stand. You understand that? We love you. And I would not take the time to just go off course and talk about this if I didn't believe with all of my heart in fact, I'd be so timid to do it if Crawford hadn't have been obedient and he didn't even know he was being obedient when he slid down there and started talking to me. And just in my heart, I said, thank you, Papa. I'll do it. I'll tell him the story and I'll share it and I'll trust you to touch the people and heal them where they hurt. Father, put our wires back where they belong to be the way you wired us from the beginning. Father, I pray for every hurt the enemy's ever done to any of these people. We acknowledge you're the healer of the brokenhearted and you're the healer of all hurt and pain. And so we look to our healer, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our God that heals us. You heal of physical things, you heal of emotional things. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be committed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Christ Jesus. That we would not be conned by the world and the hurt that this world has done that enemies use to hurt us. And, Father, we declare that you are our healing, you're our portion, and you're our Savior. And, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, now I pray that all the wires that's been pulled wrong and 
rewired wrong because hurt's been done to them, that you put it back right right now in the name of Jesus. And let them think right and let them see themselves and their future and their life and even the past in the light of the grace of God. And Father, I pray that you would put back that, that they don't even think you can build back, that you can restore. You're a God of restoration. And I pray that you would restore what the canker worm has devoured and what the locusts have eaten up. God, restore it, restore it, restore it. I pray restoration and healing, Lord God, to every person that's listening to this now. In Jesus' name. Let them see hope. Let them be infused with hope, Lord Father, right now. But you are the blessed hope. Hope for tomorrow, hope for today, hope for the future. Father, we give you praise for it. We thank you, Father, for it. I pray especially for these that have walked down front. Touch them today and heal their hurt, Father, men and women, in Jesus' name. Let them think properly of themselves and of others. Let them know that there is hope and a future for them to prosper them, not to harm them, to give them hope and a future according to your word in Jeremiah. We give you praise for it now, Father. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Y'all agree with that? Come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise and just say, Father, we thank you. We thank you. Praise you, Jesus. Well, we love you. Grace Point loves you. If you need to talk to us any further, we're standing here. Our elders are here. Uh, if not, God uh, bless you. We, we bless you and release you in Jesus' name. Can't wait to see you again next Sunday. God bless you.